0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 35 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode, I will be talking to a man that is partially responsible for the existence of this podcast in the first place. It was his revolutionary book, DMT, The Spirit Molecule, that helped me early on in my studies. And uh, this book documents uh, the first psychedelic research with humans in the United States in over 20 years when it came out. And the man I'm talking about is of course none other than Dr. Rick Strassman. And Dr. Strassman has published many peer-reviewed scientific papers, a few books, and is currently at the University of New Mexico's School of Medicine. Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Alex. How did you become involved with DMT?
1: Well, I began with an interest in the biology of spiritual experience. And um, I was first led to looking into the pineal gland uh, because of its venerable history as a potential spiritual organ or at least the anatomical location of the pineal seemed to be a site where esoteric physiologies seem to concentrate a lot of their attention uh, with respect to ultimate spiritual realities. So I began looking um, at the psychophysiology of melatonin back in the early 1980s, uh, because not much was known about pineal melatonin at the time, and there was uh, some evidence that there were some profound psychoactive effects of melatonin. Uh, and after a couple of years of looking at it very carefully, we didn't really see much in the way of, you know, psychedelic activity. Um, You know, I was, uh, well, I guess stepping back a step or two, um, my interest in the biology of spiritual experience was initially stimulated by uh, my noticing similarities in the descriptions of the states induced by the psychedelic drugs and the states brought on by certain eastern religious meditation practices. Um, and I thought there must be some underlying common biology. In, in other words, I was um, beginning to consider the possibility um, that the brain would react to certain meditation practices uh, the you know, same way that it reacted to the psychedelic, you know, drugs, at least to the extent that the two states resembled each other, or the states, you know, resulting from certain meditations and certain psychedelic substances, resembled each other. Um, so, in the beginning of my, you know, search for a common biological denominator, uh, I at first, uh, you know, honed in on the pineal gland. Um, so I completed that pineal study, and then because of the lack of any significant psychoactivity of melatonin, I decided to study DMT, which I had learned about in the meantime. Um, and uh, DMT is very interesting because it's an extremely interesting, powerful uh, you know psychedelic drug, but at the same time, it's... Uh, It's, you know, found um, throughout the natural kingdom. It's in hundreds, if not thousands of plants, and it's been determined to exist in every mammal study to date, um, including humans. Um, You know, so at least on the surface of it, it, you know, seemed like, um, well, like DMT would be an excellent candidate for a naturally occurring substance in the human body, which if concentrations increased under natural conditions would be responsible for naturally occurring spiritual experiences
0: To clarify exactly, what is DMT, chemically? So so DMT
1: stands for dimethyltryptamine it's a chemical cousin of serotonin and of melatonin actually it's a relatively simple compound its molecular you know weight, in other words, uh, the sum of all of uh, the atoms that comprise the molecule um, isn't much greater uh, than blood sugar or glucose um, and uh, it's not very you know difficult for the body or for plants to make. Um, it begins with the amino acid tryptophan, which is then, uh, Converted to tryptamine in the body, and then a couple of methyl groups are added to tryptamine, which results in dimethyltryptamine. Um, it was first discovered in plants with uh, uh, you know psychoactive you know, properties in Latin America um, in the 1940s. Um, you know, but uh, you know whether or not, it was, you know, psychoactive wasn't discovered uh, until maybe 10 years later when Steven Zara in Budapest uh, was unable to obtain LSD, uh, you know, for his studies. And uh, he was uh, keen on, you know, synthesizing DMT and he ended up, uh, you know, giving it. um uh, well, so he ended up giving it to himself, and uh, you know, discovered that you know DMT was psychoactive. Um, it was still kind of an obscure compound for maybe the next you know ten years or so, until it was discovered in the body fluids and the body tissues of rodents, um, especially in uh, the lungs of rabbits. Uh, so this was in uh, you know the early 1960s. And then a few years later, uh, it was discovered in comparable, you know, body fluids in humans. Um, so, uh, as a result uh, of it, you know, being uh, discovered as a naturally occurring constituent of the human body, it uh, started a you know search you know for the relationship between um, you know DMT and psychosis. You know, within the context of uh, psychiatry, um, as opposed to let's say, you know, more valued, highly altered states like meditation or near death states, mystical experiences, dreams, those kinds of things.
0: Does the body need DMT? Why? Why does the body produce it?
1: Well, uh, you know, it's still being determined. You know, uh, um, you know why the body makes DMT. Uh, you know there's a couple of tantalizing clues that have emerged over the last you know several decades. Um, in uh, the 19, uh, in uh, the 1970s, there were two Japanese studies. And also uh, there was, I think a Brazilian study a couple of years ago uh, which you know confirmed the Japanese work, you know 30, 40 years ago. And, and so those studies have demonstrated that the brain, um expends energy in order to get you know DMT into its confines and the brain only treats a small number of endogenous compounds that way like blood sugar certain amino acids that it's not able to you know synthesize on its own for the formation of necessary proteins um you know so this indicates um you know that DMT or at least a certain uh concentration of DMT is required for normal brain function um, you know so that's an interesting uh, you know piece of information or uh, an interesting hypothesis it um, <clears throat> it you know kind of uh, you know lends itself to the, uh, you know to the idea of you know DMT being some kind of a reality thermostat as it were um, in other words uh You know, the the normal maintenance of everyday consciousness, um, you know, may be dependent on the brain sustaining, uh, you know, narrow window of DMT levels uh, in order to maintain perceptual homeostasis, you know, cognitive homeostasis, uh, you know, a certain stability and, uh, you know, sense um, of reality um, of, of everyday life. Um, also, a few years ago, a group in Wisconsin uh, discovered that the gene and the enzyme, which are required for DMT synthesis, are highly active uh, in the retina, um, in uh, the eye. Uh, uh, you know, so in a more uh, specific sense, it you know it uh, you know could be that you know DMT is. Uh, you know, somehow uh, required for the maintenance of our normal visual reality as well. Um, you know, some other studies the last couple of years have come out of i uh, um, have 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 come out of Hungary and uh, indicate you know that DMT could be involved in uh, immune function. Uh, you know, maintenance of uh, you know, cell longevity under stress or trauma. Um, but, you know, those are uh, extremely new data and uh, we aren't sure, uh, you know, what those implications are, you know, for the role of DMT in, uh, you know, normal physiology and consciousness.
0: It would be an interesting study to remove all the DMT from the body and see see what happens.
1: Well, um yeah, I, I think those kinds of studies are ultimately, uh, you know, going to be done. Uh, and, you know, they'll begin in, in uh, the lower animals. Um, you can, uh, you know, do what is called a, you know, knockout mouse, or a, you can knock out, you know, the genes of a mouse, specific genes, which you're interested in uh, inhibiting, uh, which are responsible, you know, for the synthesis of, of uh, you know whatever compound that you're interested in looking at Um, and um, you know so it's conceivable and I think there are groups that are beginning to look at this you know uh, they're studying the uh, responses you know in lower animals uh, to knocking out the gene responsible for the synthesis of DMT and uh, you know, if the animal behaves normally, acts normally, if you know, physiology is abnormal, you know, then you can replace, you know, DMT. Um, and if those changes return to baseline, you know, then you'll have a lot of evidence, you know, that DMT is involved in those activities which are inhibited in uh, the knockout condition. Um, you can also, you know, partially inhibit those genes with with what is called a knock. With what is called a knock down model, um, you know, for example, you can just blockade that gene by fifty percent, let's say, and you can do the same kind of experiments. If 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 you see changes in behavior or uh, or other you know physiological responses, you can replace the DMT, and if things return to normal, you know, then you can implicate you know DMT in the changes uh, you know which are observed. In either, uh, in either the knockout or the knockdown situation. Um, if you blockade, um, well, if you administer antipsychotic drugs you know, to humans, uh, you know, to normal humans, you know, things become uh, you know, rather gray and dull and flat. Um, and it also turns out to be the case that antipsychotic drugs inhibit or blockade the responses to psychedelics, including DMT uh you know so you know that could be you know some in you know that could be more in evidence uh that you know DMT you know may be uh responsible you know for maintaining our you know perceptual state in uh you know normal everyday consciousness
0: does it have anything to do with our dreams does DMT induce dreams yeah
1: it could it could you know not well um you know, Jace Calloway in, uh, you know, Finland a uh, number of years ago, uh, you know, wrote a paper uh, speculating, you know, that there is a, uh, 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 you know, that there is a, uh, you know, relationship between the dream state and, you know, release of DMT at night. Um, you know, so that's still speculative. Uh, and and I discuss, uh, uh, and uh, so I Uh, Well, so I discussed, you know, that paper in my first, you know, DMT book. Uh, You know, um, if you're interested in making a correlation between non-drug-altered states like dreams and near-death states and, uh, you know, various kinds of religious experience, you first, you know, uh, well, um, in... In uh, you know relationship, uh, you know to the possible elevation of naturally occurring DMT, um, you first you know need to establish the extent to which those two states resemble each other. Um, in uh, other words, um, if you're going to you know be proposing you know that the near-death experience might be mediated by elevations of DMT activity, you know uh, you would first you know need um, you know, to establish, you know, the degree to which the DMT state resembles the near-death experience. Um, and, you know, once you've done that, once you've established, you know, whatever the correspondences are, uh, you know, then you would need to demonstrate that there are elevated levels of DMT in those non direct states, which is, uh, you know, kind of difficult to do, <clears throat> uh, you know, for a number of reasons. You know, one is that, uh, you know, near-death states aren't, uh, you know, something you can induce uh, in a laboratory setting, uh, at least not ethically, um, or, or it is, you know, rather complicated. Um, and the other reason is that it's extremely difficult uh, to measure concentrations of naturally occurring DMT. Uh, the concentrations exist,
0: uh,
1: you know, down to the range of a billionth of a gram per milliliter, you know, so the technology isn't quite you know there to be able, you know, to establish you know baseline levels of DMT, and you know then come and you know then to come you know to compare those with concentrations which you know might be seen in you know highly altered you know you know naturally occurring states.
0: Maybe have a partnership with a death row prison if you want to do a near-death study. Yeah, well, that
1: is kind of, well, yeah, you know, if you're going to be studying, you know, death, it is kind of a morbid field. Uh, Yeah, yeah, so, you know, so you have to kind of uh, stretch the boundaries of what's acceptable research or not. Uh, well, you know, there is a group in um, at the University of, you know, Michigan right now that is, you know, looking at, you know, the biology of, you know, death in rodents. Um, you know, they're carefully, as it were, killing the rats uh, and the mice and, you know, looking at their brains at all uh, stages of that process. Uh, you know, so they're looking for DMT right now uh, in the brain of the dying rodent. You know, so it you know, could be within a year or so. Uh, uh, you know we'll have some more data
0: DMT is generally illegal to smoke or inject but uh, why is it illegal when it's such a common thing in humans plants and other animals Uh, um yeah well that's you know obviously a a
1: pretty complicated question Um, yeah you know DMT is a psychedelic uh, you know drug like LSD um and, uh, it is in the most restrictive legal schedule in uh, the U S and every, and, uh, um, and everywhere else. Um, yeah, you know, so the criteria for placing any, uh, uh, uh you know, drug in that category is that the drugs cannot be used, you know, safely under, uh, you know, medical supervision. Um, and, uh, they're highly abusable and, uh, They don't possess any known medical use. Um, And, you know, and even if DMT, you know, weren't a naturally occurring constituent of the human body, uh, it still isn't quite true that, um, you know, two of the three criteria are met. In other words, you can give it safely under medical supervision. Our study demonstrated that, and a German study demonstrated that of uh, a, a, a number of years later. Um, um, and also, uh, it has, you know, got medical utility, um, at the very least, it can help explain uh, within the research, you know, context, you know, certain, you know, relationships. Uh, between you know pharmacology, um, and you know subjective experience, cl- you know clinical syndromes, you know psychosis, dreams, those kinds of things. Um, in uh, the case of ayahuasca, it's a little more complicated uh, because it is being uh, well, yeah, well, uh, well, So ayahuasca is a brew uh, which you know comes from the Amazon. It's a combination of uh, you know two different plants. One contains DMT. And the other contains an inhibitor of the enzyme, which normally breaks down DMT in the gut. Uh, If you swallow DMT, it's broken, it's metabolized, you know, extremely quickly in the gut, and it isn't absorbed into the bloodstream, can't get into the brain. But if you inhibit that enzyme that breaks down DMT, uh, it's allowed to cross into the blood and into the brain. Um, And... uh, so there is a combination of two plants in the Amazon, which are made into a brew called ayahuasca. Uh, one contains DMT, and one contains the enzyme inhibitor, um, and it's used religiously, um, and it, you know, that's been the case for you know thousands of years, most likely. And um, as and as a, and as a uh, uh, and as a result of its religious use, it's under you know religious protection. Um, there's a couple of Brazilian you know churches which have got uh, either state or you know federal permission to use ayahuasca in their ceremonies. Uh, you know, so it is legal in you know those contexts. And you know there are some ayahuasca you know research protocols going on uh, in Spain and in Brazil in particular. Uh, but DMT itself. Uh, it still isn't quite uh, as able, you know. You can't use it as you know freely as you can ayahuasca in uh, in any context, really. You know, you know there isn't any DMT research going on now, as opposed to ongoing ayahuasca studies. Um, and you know there aren't any uh, you know situations you know where you can use you know DMT legally you know, like you can't use ayahuasca legally in in a, you know, religious, you know, kind of setting.
0: When you take DMT, it can be quite an intense experience from what I understand. So I find it hard to imagine people doing it on a daily basis. Well, some people
1: use, uh, you know, DMT, uh, you know, rather frequently, but you know, but that isn't especially common, especially, you know, relative, you know, to other, you uh, you know, to other recreational, you know, drugs like cocaine or marijuana or alcohol. Um, Yeah, and it, you know, could be that, you know, one of the reasons is its intensity. Um, It's uh, either smoked, uh, well, on the the, uh, street anyway, you know, one, you know, vaporizes the free base and inhales it, you know, that's what's called smoking DMT um and uh in our study we couldn't really do that it was you know just too complicated uh you know so um in our study we gave it intravenously uh and you know the time course is quite you know comparable with the smoked or the injected um in in my study uh it would begin to ex- it, it would begin to exert effects within a heartbeat or two and and would you know peak within a minute or two then people would start coming down at around the um at around the you know 5 minute point and uh, you know and you know, then would be able to start you know uh, you know conversing at about the 20 minute point and would feel you know relatively normal at around a half hour 35 40 minutes or so You know, um, you know, but in the peak of the experience of a, you know, high dose effect, uh, yeah, it's quite, uh, condensed, quite packed, uh, you know, quite overwhelming. Um, you, you know, the effects begin with a rush, an extremely, you know, powerful, you know, feeling of acceleration and inner pressure. And, um, and, you know, the visual, you know, world starts to break down, uh, Either with eyes open or eyes closed, um, and uh, oftentimes, you know, there's a sound that accompanies the rush, and within about a minute, uh, you know, there's a you know feeling of the separation of the mind from the body, and you know then the consciousness of the individual enters into a world of light, um, which is incredibly saturated, rapidly moving, you know, morphing, uh, you know, highly intense. Um, you know, there's some panic early on the first few seconds or so. But if you can, uh, you know, keep your balance, you know, it can be uh, extremely ecstatic and blissful. Um, and, and, uh, and the world of light that, you know, people encounter is extremely busy. Uh, there's, uh, you know, geometric figures uh, which, you know, can often, uh, you know, coalesce into more, um recognizable shapes uh, and you know those you know shapes you know be they humanoid or machine-like insect-like reptilian mammalian birds uh, are you know, sentient you know they have consciousness uh, they you know seem to you know sometimes be expecting the volunteer and it's extremely interactive you know there's an exchange of information um You know, there can be healing, there can be threatening, there could be education, there can be prediction. You know, so it's extremely interactive, uh, you know, full of content. Uh, The personality of the individual is maintained quite well throughout. Uh, You know, the individual, you know, can, you know, negotiate uh, the spaces, as it were, you know, decide what to attend to, decide what to... uh, overlook or ignore um and you can and uh you can remember extremely you know carefully and in extremely good detail uh the experience itself uh you know uh, um one of the uh strong points of my study is you know that I was in the room the entire time and I took very careful notes of everybody's experiences you know so uh, you know once uh, you know, once people could begin speaking, um, I would start asking them questions about, you know, uh, um, about what they had just undergone. Um, you know, if you talk to people that smoke DMT, you know, they'll describe that they, you know, forget the experience, you know, rather quickly after they come down, you know, but my volunteers had the advantage of me being, you know, right by the bedside and, you know, taking careful notes and, you know, jogging their memory and, uh, you know, being able to, uh, you know, get down everything that happened to them, uh, 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 um, you know, to the extent that we could.
0: Did you ever try DMT yourself?
1: No, no, uh, you know, um, in the U.S. anyway, um, in these kinds of studies, it's frowned upon to, you know, go first, as it were. Um, You know, as opposed, you know, to our European colleagues, you know, the Swiss and, you know, the German studies, which were taking place around the same time as our studies required, you know, the investigators to go first um, for a couple of reasons, you know, one for safety. Uh, If anything, you know, bad happened, it would happen to the, you know, to the researchers first and, you know, they could stop the study. Um, And also it would be helpful in terms of informed consent. Um, You know, if uh, the, if, if the, you know, researcher, um, um, you know, had gone uh, through, th- you know, the protocol on their own, they would be able, you know, to describe to the prospective volunteer a lot more carefully what to expect. Uh, you know, Tim Leary and his group at Harvard kind of ruined it for the U.S., you know, contingent because uh, of his flagrantly, you know, taking his own drugs and, you know, talking uh, about the experiences. You know, so as a result thereof, of. Uh, you know, the American, you know, regulators are quite stringent about, you know, people not, you know, taking their own drugs.
0: How did you manage to get permission to do this study?
1: Well, it was a long, slow process. Um, You know, it was the first such study in almost 20 years in uh, the U.S. So um, I, you know, had to... Frame the study in the most you know commonplace, straightforward you know traditional kinds of you know, psychopharmacology research model as I could, um, and even then uh, you know people really wanted to you know make certain you know that there was no stone unturned with regard to safety, uh, informed consent, uh, you know safeguards you know for any adverse effects. Um, I had to screen my volunteers extremely carefully, and I only used experienced, you know, psychedelic users uh, in order to, you know, minimize, you know, panic reactions and to, you know, maximize informed consent. Um, you know, the longest uh, you know, process was getting pure DMT uh, because, you know, both the DEA and the FDA, you know, needed you know, to agree, you know, that the substance, you know, could be made for a clinical study as opposed to an animal study, and, and um, you know, the two agencies weren't that used to talking with each other, you know, so that took the longest uh, amount of time. Oh, oh, you know, one thing I ought to say um, about researchers, you know, taking their own drugs, um, you know, within the last couple of years, there's been a real increase in the use of MDMA, uh, in the treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, I think there's a protocol now, you, you know, where prospective MDMA therapists are able to take MDMA themselves first. Um, you know, so they're not patients, they're not research volunteers, you know, but they're prospective MDMA therapists. And and, and I think the FDA, although I'm not exactly sure, but I think anyway, uh, you, you know, that prospective you know therapists are able to take MDMA in that context, but MDMA isn't really a classic, you know, psychedelic. It's you know more of what's called a you know psychedelic amphetamine. It's a you know cousin of you know methamphetamine. You know, so it's got some slight you know psychedelic effects, but you know, compared to the euphoria, um, and you know the cognitive effects and you know the emotional effects, um, it isn't anywhere you know you know nearly as strange or perceptual. Or out of body, as you know, DMT or other psychedelics.
0: In the U.S., now cannabis is legal in certain places. Do you think psychedelics will follow the same path?
1: Um. Well, I I can't imagine the you know, psychedelics being made you know medically legal in the same way cannabis is, and I certainly can't imagine them being used you know recreationally um, or you know to be you know legalized for recreational use know you know they're just you know you know they're much stronger you know more disruptive you know more disorganizing than you know marijuana is at least most of the time you know you know at the same time though I think as you know time goes on you know the restrictions you know for using psychedelics you know will be loosened you You know, and uh, you know that could take place in any you know number of you know contexts. Um, You know, after I got my study approved, I you know wrote to the Attorney General of of the U.S. in the early '90s, and I recommended that they you know change the legal category of of you know psychedelics uh, to you know to take into account that they could be used you know safely under medical supervision, um, as my study indicated. And they also, you know, had, you know, some, you know, medical utility. In, you know, my case, you know, they could be used to understand the relationship between the brain and the mind. And especially the last, you know, 10 years or so, you know, there are increasing indications of, you know, their utility in a in a number of, you know, settings. You know, there is a study came out of Hopkins maybe 10 years ago. Indicating, you know, that it, if you uh, are well, indicating that uh, you know psilocybin could occasion a you know mystical experience in you know carefully selected and prepared and supervised volunteers. Um, a, a study at the University of New Mexico came out a few months ago, indicating that you know psilocybin could be helpful in the treatment of alcoholism. Uh, you know, there's a Hopkins study indicating that you know psilocybin could be helpful in in uh, you know tobacco cessation, um, and there have been some LSD studies and you know some psilocybin studies, uh, you know, showing that uh, these compounds can help with the uh, despair, anxiety, depression, you know, pain uh, accompanying terminal illness. You know, so there, you know, seem to be uh, an increasing number of medical and, you know, know, non-medical indications, you know, for using these compounds. So I I think it may, you know, turn out to be the case that uh, either these compounds will be scheduled at a slightly, you know, less restrictive level and or they're able to be used in specially, you know, licensed, you know, centers. Um, under the supervision of specially trained ind, ind individuals, uh, you know, for specific purposes, um, you know, for mystical states, uh, for the treatment of, you know, substance abuse disorders, uh, you know, for the terminally ill, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, So I th- think within, you know, five years that may be an actual, uh, you know, kind of reality in uh, the U.S.,
0: I would recommend to anyone listening that uh, if you're thinking about doing psychedelics, to try and do it with an experienced shaman or healer. If it ever is legal, I guess uh, we'd have a some sort of certified shaman.
1: Yeah, well, the kind of uh, you know the kind of training that an individual would you know need to get in order, you know. T- uh, order to in order to add in order to, add, um, in order to administer uh, these compounds in that kind of a setting uh, is you know going to be interesting uh, you know they have to be you know trained as a psychoanalyst or as a shaman or as a you know mindfulness practitioner uh, as a rabbi you know what is you know going to the you know, be the most you know useful, you know, thorough kind of uh, training or approach uh, within which to you know give these compounds in that kind of uh, you know cl- uh, in in you know that kind of a a, a, a clinical setting. Uh, you know, you can you know think of uh, a you know setting like that as almost a you know clinical spirituality center uh, or a, you know, spiritual, you know, medical clinic or, you know, something like that, I, you know, think ultimately it's going to be some kind of hybrid of the medical model and, you know, the religious model, either shamanic or Eastern religious or, you know, Western religious. I, I suppose, you know, you know, once, you know, time goes on and, you know, this, you know, kind of a model evolves uh I would think that there'll be different, you know, flavors as it were uh of the kind of uh you know clinics that are going to be springing up.
0: One obstacle could be the pharmaceutical companies. Psychedelics especially with the shaman can actually heal a person suffering from for example post traumatic stress disorder. So there is no money in that. Pharmaceutical companies want you to come back and buy more and more pills. Yeah.
1: Um well, I think what, well, I think at the beginning it'll be kind of a niche field. It'll be quite small, you know, so I don't think that the drug companies will, you know, feel especially threatened. Um, but I think as, you know, time goes on and these clinics, let's say, or the use of these drugs uh, begins to permeate the larger culture. Um, I think, you know, what we'll be seeing is, you know, the development of, you know, newer drugs uh, with specific properties or specific time courses, you know, so if you're working with post-traumatic stress disorder, let's say, you might want to develop a, you know, psychedelic, you know, drug that specifically activates repressed memories, uh, you know, let's say, uh, or, you know, seems to uh, you know, cause, you know, the release of specific hormones, for example, that, uh, are, uh, you know, that mediate, uh, you know, catharsis or, you know, psychological healing, you know, so I think once the market becomes, you know, clearer, you know, that the drug companies will exploit it, uh, you know, for both their own, uh, you know, financial gain, uh, Um, As well as, you know, the advancement of the field. You know, it's always kind of a trade-off, you know, with the drug companies.
0: Your book, DMT, The Spirit Molecule, is about this research you did with DMT, where you injected it in people and studied its effects. When did this book come out? Well, uh, I stopped my
1: study in 1995 and, uh, you know, took a year or, you know, two off and just kind of thought about it. And I wrote the book The End of the 90s. It came out in early 2001.
0: But you published a new book now. Yes, um, I had a new book come out in September.
1: Uh, it's called uh, DMT and the Soul of Prophecy, um, and it it you know takes you know the DMT uh, you know world in in uh, you know to the more spiritual uh, uh, <clears throat> you know fields of discussion. Um, You know, uh, with respect, you know, to the spiritual models that I brought to bear um, on my original, you know, DMT research, um, it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, primarily, uh, you know, based on my decades of Zen Buddha study and practice. And I was expecting, as a result thereof, an enlightenment kind of experience as the ultimate, you know, you know, DMT effect. Um, <clears throat> uh, in other words, uh, you know, formless, no content, nonverbal, empty. Um, you know, it's an ecstatic emptiness. It's a, uh, you know, merging with everything emptiness, but still, it's an empty state. It isn't, you know, full of content. It's, you know, um <clears throat> a state which you might describe as mystical and unitive as opposed to interactive and relational. You know, so the DMT effect was interactive and relational. It, w- it was full of content. Uh, you know, the volunteers and the contents of the DMT world in- in- interacted extremely robustly. Uh, you know, the sense of, you know, self was maintained you know, throughout. Um, you know, time and space changed, but they still existed as opposed to what happens within the Enlightenment state, which is a, you know, state of timelessness and spacelessness. Um, and also, uh, and, and also a, uh, you know, another issue, um, which, you know, demonstrated that the Buddhist Enlightenment, you know, model wasn't quite as good as it could have been, you know, is uh, the, you know, Buddhist approach, you know, to the contents of these states, which are considered to be illusory, uh, you know, kind of, you know, mental detritus being, you know, shed on the way towards the formless, enlightened state. Um, and in my volunteers, you know, they all came, you know, back uh, with a quite strong conviction of, of, you know, the reality basis um, of their experience. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a hallucination. It, you know, wasn't like any other psychedelics that they had taken. Uh, you know, so the content, you know, full nature of the DMT effect and, you know, the reality, you know, basis of the experience uh, were both inconsistent with the Buddhist model. Um, and it was interesting, you know, because I expected the Buddhist enlightenment state as the ultimate effect. And most of my volunteers did too. You know, they were, uh, you, know, um, you know, quite a few of them were interested in Eastern religious practices and meditation you know, so both you know they and I were quite surprised at you know the absence of the classic enlightenment-like experience, and the presence of the you know content-filled, interactive, relational kind of state. You know, so I started you know looking around for other models, and uh, you know by and by I started reading the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament, and um, you know the notion of a prophetic state of consciousness began to dawn on me. Um if you compare the two states, the DMT state and the prophetic experience in the Hebrew Bible, uh, you know, the phenomenology is you know it's uh, extremely similar um, And I'm also uh, when you read the accounts of you know figures and uh, encountering uh, these, uh, well, these usually in visible realms. Uh, you know, they're convinced of you know the reality basis of the experience. It's as real as everyday reality, maybe even more real. You know, so on. You know, both of those counts. You know, the highly contentful, interactive nature of the prophetic state, and you know the reality basis. Uh, as uh, determined, you know, by the people having those experiences in the in the Hebrew Bible, were quite consistent with you know the DMT experience. Um, and also, I ought to point out that in you know my definition of uh, in, in you know my definition of you know the prophetic state, um, I'm not limiting it only you know to prediction or you know, foretelling, which is the you know most contemporary definition of a prophecy. Um, You know, but rather I expanded into any um, encounter in any, you know, biblical, you know, figure of, you know, God or God's angels, um, any inspiration out-of-body experiences, uh, you know, highly emotional states that, you know, seem to be the result of a spiritual encounter. You know, so if you extend the definition of, you know, prophecy outside of purely foretelling or predicting, You know, you can start, you know, to read the Bible, you know, with an eye towards, or the, you know, or you know, through the lens of uh, it, you know, being a prophetic text.
0: So basically, it explains all the paranormal things that you read about in the Bible. That it is all a DMT experience.
1: Um, Well, in a way, um, well, so the contents of the. um, well, so the contents of uh, you know, um, of the two states are you know rather comparable, you know, um, and on the other hand, you know the information content or um, or the message um is a lot you know richer uh, in the case of the you know prophetic experience, um, and uh, well, I suppose it's important. To state, you know, from the outset, you know that I'm not, you know, suggesting, you know, that people in the Hebrew Bible, you know, you know, took, you know, DMT, you know, from the outside. I'm speculating, you know, that, you know, there could be some increase in naturally occurring DMT in the body or the brain of those experiencing these kinds of states. And, uh, you know, the mechanism by which, you know, that, you know, might be occurring uh, is obviously open to speculation. Um, It could be as a result of spiritual exercises, you know, like fasting or going into the wilderness or sleep deprivation, Um, you know, dancing, music, great food, you know, sexual abstinence, those kinds of things. Um, you know, but in any case, um, I'm you know not a- a hypothesizing that you know figures in the Hebrew Bible you know took you know DMT containing you know materials like uh, plants or mushrooms or anything like that. Um, yeah, you know, so. The, you know, contents are quite comparable, you know, the visions and the voices, you know, but the message, you know, the verbal content was, you know, is, you know, is, you know, clearly extremely highly articulated in the text, especially as compared, you know, to the kind of, you know, verbal reports that my volunteers returned with. You know, the main thing my volunteers returned with you know, was the conviction of the existence of a parallel level of reality which could be revealed through DMT. But in, you know, terms of, you know, the ethical, you know, messages, you know, the theological messages, you know, the kinds of, you know, things that the Bible is replete with, you know, the DMT, you know, volunteers, you know, mostly came back with some personal insights. And, you know, the more abstract ones, You know, work in you know most cases, you know, consistent with you know the message of the Hebrew Bible, but still, you know, they were you know not especially you know well developed, you know not especially you know highly articulated. You know, if you look at the message of you know the Hebrew Bible, it you know pervades all of you know Western civilization, its economy, its law, you know you know theology, you know philosophy, you know science art uh you know well also economics you know moral and ethical you know kinds of issues um and you know those you know and you know that you know verbal content is you know part and and you know parcel uh of the prophetic experience it's a you know highly verbal Uh, state, you know, the Ten Commandments, for example, you know, those are, you know, part and, and, you know, parcel of the experience itself. It isn't, you know, something that you derive afterwards uh, after you've, you know, returned, you know, from the, you know, verbal, uh, you know, formless, empty state of, for example, Buddhist enlightenment.
0: Do you think that DMT can turn an atheist into accepting the fact that there is a God out there? Well, I
1: mean, it, it you know could be, um, but I, I don't. I think all because you, you, you uh, well. Uh, um, I I think all because you know s- uh, you know someone calls themselves an atheist. Uh, you, you know doesn't mean you know that they don't uh, you know I- experience spiritual things um, or even uh, experience what. You know, the more religious kind of person might describe as an encounter with, you know, God or God's angels. Um, you know, you can have the same kinds of insights, learn the same you know, kinds of things and, you know, call yourself a Buddhist or an atheist or a Jew. Um, but, you know, the content is the same. Uh, I suppose you would explain it differently. Uh, But that wouldn't, you know, necessarily, you know, change the nature of what's, you know, downloaded or experienced, you know, by that particular person.
0: Is there a common theme with people who partake in DMT? I mean, uh, like with ayahuasca, there are some things that most people share when they have that experience. Well, um, so what kind
1: of, you know, message, you know, do people tell you they return with after coming back from the Amazon? You know, what's the verbal you know what's the verbal information you know, what do they say
0: well the most common thing I think is that they become more concerned and uh, protective uh, of nature and then there is like forgiveness and love uh, those are big uh, and common themes I think
1: yeah well um I think that's been you know comparable to my experience uh, too you know and speaking with people who have either taken ayahuasca in the Amazon or in uh, the U.S. Uh, But even so, uh, you know, if you compare that kind of message, we need to look after nature better and we need to feel love more. um, That's pretty, you know, basic, you know, compared to the... Uh, you know, kind of uh, information which is can you know which is contained in a you know, uh, you know, two thousand or three thousand year old you know text which has exerted such influence um, on the world. You know, I suppose looking after nature with more attention and being more loving is a good start, but uh, you know, it's the integration of those kinds of insights, which is most, you know, which is very difficult. And, you know, that's, you know, where, you know, the utility of a time, you know, tested, you know, tradition can, you know, come in handy, you know, like, you know, for example, you know, what does it mean to respect, you know, nature more, you know, like how do you do it? You know, what are the details? And, uh, you know, the details, you know, have been handed down in a, you know, revelatory manner, uh, in the prophetic, you know, text, you know, which is the Hebrew Bible, you know, for example, the sabbatical year, the Jubilee year, uh, you know, don't, uh, you know, you, you don't leave a, you know, pit, un, un, uncovered, uh, if you have a uncovered pit, and your animal falls into it, or you, or, or your neighbor's, you know, animal falls into it, you know, there's, you know, you know, regulations about, you know, how to deal with that, you know, so, um, I think, you know, you can have a certain flash on, you know, on the psychedelics, but in terms of, you know, putting it into practice, you know, the details, you know, that's where a, you know, text, you know, like the Hebrew Bible can be invaluable. And, you know, the feeling of love, you know, for example, you know, the classic revealed statement about, you know, love in the Hebrew Bible is the golden rule. In other words, you're supposed to, you know, love your, you know, fellow as you love yourself, and you know, there's all kinds of, you know, corollaries of that. You know, you, it's quite, you know, difficult to, you know, love somebody as much as you love yourself. But, you know, you could love, you know, you know, somebody. Well, you could love your. Well, you can hope, you know, for your neighbor's well-being as much as you hope for your own well-being. For example. Or you wouldn't, you know, or you wouldn't be, you know, doing, you know, to other people what you wouldn't want, you know, them to do to you, and you wouldn't, you know, do to yourself what you wouldn't want other people, you know, you know, to do to you, you know. So there are all kinds of, you know, verbal, you know, tools and articulations which you know build, you know, from that initial flat that we need to be more loving or, you know, feel more love or, you know, love each other more, um, you know, which are, you know, contained in a, um, in, a, in a highly verbal
0: prophetic slash, you know, psychedelic, you know, kind of text that the Bible, you know, can be seen to be. From my own experience, I think ayahuasca has shown me wisdom, shown me. Uh, before I knew it was probably a good idea to forgive people. But after ayahuasca, I forgave people. As if psychedelics heals you because it makes you act upon the knowledge instead of just knowing it,
1: right, right, yes, yeah, I agree, yeah, it can uh you know solidify your you know your concepts into you know uh into the core of your being that much you know more deeply um yeah, you know, so I think you know uh that is important. To you know, to use you know the psychedelic state, you know, f- you know, for the betterment of the world, um, you know. So I don't think in most people they can have those kinds of insights or flashes or the conviction of the truth of you know those ideas without you know taking psychedelics. You know, so psychedelics are extremely important in that regard, um, but at, at the same time. I think there needs to be a more um, applicable, you know, model which helps people to integrate and expand those insights into their everyday lives and, you know, that's, you know, where a, you know, verbal text uh, that is revealed, in other words, it comes from the spiritual, you know, worlds, uh, can be, you know, quite helpful. In understanding and integrating the spiritual properties of this psychedelic, you know, drug effect.
0: Do you have any plans for the future? Um, well, I'm
1: currently doing a lot of, you know, marketing for the new book. Um, you know, giving an interview a week or so. Um, but in, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, terms of, you know, new, uh, you know, new projects. Um, I suppose what I'm you know, mostly, you know, focusing on now is, you know, the person of Abraham, you know, the biblical personage Abraham. Um, Abraham was considered the first of the Jews, as it were. He's the first, you know, person, uh, you know, that God revealed himself to. Um, But at, at the same time, Abraham, you know, lived, you know, before the law, you know, before Moses and the Ten Commandments. You know, so I kind of, am, you know, drawn to Abraham as a model of a, you know, God-based, you know, life which is prophetic, it's spiritual, it involves, you know, communication with, you know, God and God's angels um, as, you know, kind of the overarching, you know, theme of an individual's life. But at the same time, it isn't um, constrained or, you know, hyper-legal, which I think is, you know, one of the main stumbling blocks when people want to approach the Jewish, you know, mindset uh, of, you know, the religious worlds. So um, I think that Abraham was able to, you know, negotiate, you know, the natural you know, world and the spiritual you know, world you know, through the nature of his personality and his experiences as opposed to strictly keeping a code of written laws. You know, so I'm quite intrigued by his personality and I've been reading everything that I can about him, you know, from the Greeks to the Christians to the Muslims and, of course, you know, the Jews and their rabbis. You know, so I think what I would like to take a stab at is a, you know, fictionalized, you know, version of his life which would explicate, you know, a you know, psychedelic worldview, but at you know, the same time within the context of the worldview of uh, important, you know, Western religion. Uh, you know, it's a multi-year project, multi, you know, volume series of books, probably. But uh, I like to take on big projects, uh, and I guess also, um, you know, one of the, you know, questions that I receive increasingly is, you know, is there a translation of the Bible which is accessible and approachable and, you know, that somebody can understand and be enthralled by? And, you know, there really isn't. Uh, So maybe my last, you know, project before I die will, you know, be to do a good translation and commentary of the Hebrew Bible, you know, for the rest of us, as it were, you know, people that uh, are, you know, secularly educated, you know, they're tired of Buddhism, they're tired of shamanism, and uh, you know they want to kind of you know dig into their own tradition, but they don't know where to turn. So I think there'd be a lot of value uh, in a cogent, personable, approachable tr- you know uh, you know translation of the text.
0: Sounds like a big job.
1: Uh, it would be a big job. Yeah, you know in the meantime, I you know I stay current in you know the psychedelic you know field. Um, I've got students writing me all the time asking my advice and. I you know I you know connect other well I connect you know research you know you know researchers with you know common interests you know, with other researchers you know for collaboration you know so I I still am involved you know you know somewhat in the psychedelic you know field but in you know terms of you know, doing any hands-on, you know, research nowadays, uh, you know, that uh, isn't anything which is on the horizon.
0: So where can people get your books? Yeah, you know, you can order them through
1: Amazon, through Barnes & Noble, but you can order them, you know, also through my website, in which case I will sign and inscribe them. And, you know, my website is rickstrassman.com. Yeah, you know, so uh, I would encourage, you know, <clears throat> well, so I would encourage you know people to order you know the books you know, through my site. I might make a little bit you know more money, and I will you know personally inscribe and you know sign the books you know to anyone who orders them.
0: Thanks for talking to me. Uh, I enjoyed it, and it was your book DMT, the Spirit Molecule, as well as Jeremy Narby's book The Cosmic Serpent, that uh, made me go to the Amazon and uh, start my ayahuasca journeys. Uh, Also Graham Hancock's Supernatural, in in a way. But your book was very inspirational for me. Oh, good, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Oh, you
1: know, uh, speaking of the book, The Spirit Molecule, there also is a documentary out by the same name. came out a few years ago. Um, I'm one of the co-producers, and I do most of the interviews. Um, And... You can, you know, rent it, you can buy it. It's been, you know, released internationally now with, you know, subtitles. You know, any of the streaming, you know, documentary, you know, servers out there, you know, probably carry it. It's, you know, carried by Netflix. You know, so I would encourage, you know, people to watch the documentary too.
0: Again, thanks for talking to me.
1: Well, thanks very much, Alex. I'm glad you had me on your show
0: www.rickstrasman.com Go there if you want to know more about this guy and his uh, work. Now, there is a song called We Can't Afford Your Depression Anymore by Car Seat Headrest. I have decided to close this episode with this particular song. It is taken from the album Nervous Young Man. And if you want to check out more of Car Seat Headrest, go to carseatheadrest.bandcamp.com. I'll post a link in the program notes as usual. And I also link to Rick Strassman's site as well. Freedom is in the mind. We can't afford your We can